Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Amen. He has always caused us to triumph. Let the world fall apart. Who cares? Be like me. Adopt that, those two words. Who cares? My feelings are hurt. Who cares? Joe Biden's the president. Who cares? There's another variant. Who cares? Whatever it may be, just learn that because you have incredible power. I've said this many times in this building. I look across the building and I probably see you differently than you see you. See, I look and see how people don't know. They're afraid. There's one. Yep. Because you've been taught to think of yourself lesser than you should. That's why you're not a shining city on a hill. Instead of, I'm jumping ahead of the message. Let me just give you a preview in case you don't get this part of the message. It goes to the second service. But instead of having compassion and being worldly nice, why don't you try shining? You ever thought about that? Instead of reaching out. You you know that's not in the Bible. What you're called to do is shine. Let them see you shine. Yeah, there's times where that calls for compassion, calls for a measure of godly niceness and kindness, not enabling. But instead of going through the religious worn, you know, lukewarm church doctrine of let's reach out and let's become as much like the world as we possibly be, can be to win them. Why don't you go the biblical way and shine? Amen. Be healed today. Be restored today. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Sabbath's knowledge by us in every place. Nobody talks about the second part of 2 Corinthians 2.14. Who makes manifest the savour of his knowledge by us, by us, by us in every place. In other words, they smell God through you. That's what it is. Savour is smell. Make is manifest the smell of God through you. They can't do that if you're depressed. They can't do that if you're not healed. You need to be healed. Stop, stop relishing and not being healed. Knock it off, grind. Well, I tried, it didn't work. How long did you try? You tried many other things for years. You were in your job for years. You've done things for years. Worked on your marriage for years, whatever it may be. But you tried one healing service that didn't work for you. And instead of going in and finding out what the reason, reasons are, or re, it's really one reason, and that is unbelief and digging in and getting belief. That's the, that's the Christian's sole responsibility is to, is to dispel unbelief. But instead of doing that, people relish in the sympathy of their infirmity. Don't let that be you. Hate that stuff. I hate it. I hate being a hothouse orchid. I don't want to be ministered to constantly. I want to minister. Some of you are addicted to being ministered to. Knock it off and be healed in Jesus' name. And walk it out. If you're healed, act like you're healed. In every way, mentally, physically, emotionally, walk it out like you're healed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So we equivocate scripture at times and we water it down. Jesus said yeses 
and no's are of me and everything else is from the evil one. How those maybes working out? It didn't say that you, it doesn't say that, that you can't say I'm not deciding. But once you decide, you need to decide. There is no halfway in and there is no halfway out when it comes to God. I heard Jeff talking about it because you know what? We didn't, me and we didn't converse before the service about being lukewarm or any of those things. It's just how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit's speaking through him. The Holy Spirit's speaking through you. The Holy Spirit's speaking through me. Let your yes be yes and your no be no for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. I'll try is from the evil one. I'll give it my best is from the evil one. That's, you might as well join the YMCA and get your participation trophy. Well, I'm going to try. And we're about wins. Wins. Bill Parcells says you are who you are. Your record is who you are. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We're all about wins. The word of God is a hardcore document. Everybody aware of that? I'm telling you right now that if most Christians in the United States, I can't speak for other countries, but if most Christians in the United States, if they read the Bible, they would choose not to follow Jesus because he's not Christ-like enough for them. That's true. Because their Christ-like is a lukewarm religion, a Pharisaic cult. It's not the Bible. That's why you're always safe here. You're always safe here because it's not about me at all. It's about the Bible. Amen. People come to the door and they say things great about the church and all that I do is answer is this. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. And after we're done with the Bible, it's more Bible. Because Jesus is the Bible. Why have a Christian church if it's not about the word? Because Jesus is the word. But the word is a hardcore document. It is Jesus and it does not change. Most of us know Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3, 6 says, for I am the Lord, I change not. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He doesn't change because America has decided that gay is okay. Just because John Roberts... I, I call out names. If that offends you, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's because John Roberts says that elections have consequences and he legalized gay marriage. It doesn't mean that, the, that God has gone, oh, you know what? I'm good with gay now. It may be that way in the ark church. It certainly isn't the way that it is in the Bible. And it certainly isn't going to be the way that it is on the day of judgment. None of it. None of it's okay. Men dressing up as women, not okay. Nothing, nothing has changed. And you have to preach that. In the midst of your woke household, I'm not saying yours personally, I mean maybe an extended house like your family, you have to preach the word. Amen. Yeah, but that means, Tom, that I could lose relationships. I'm not saying go out and purposely lose relationships. Some people, some, a lot of Christians go out and lose relationships just because they're weird. If you're going to lose them, make sure that it's because you're preaching the gospel. Nobody in my family would tell you that I'm weird. They would all tell you that I'm a zealot. You see the difference? That's what my, nobody in my family saved outside of me, on my side. They would tell you he's a zealot, you know, he's fanatical. But they wouldn't tell you that I'm weird. I don't bother them. I don't call them. I don't go around them and start speaking in tongues around unbelievers who have no idea what I'm doing. I don't suddenly start praying and use the name Yahshua 
have no idea what I'm talking about because I want to sound super spiritual all of a sudden. That's what they bring in. Oh, they bring in Aunt Rosie over there. She's the, she's the spiritual one. She starts praying to Yahshua. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you do. You have to have been around Pentecostal circles for a while. Aaron's nodding. He knows. You need to know. But you need to, no matter what situation you are, you're in, you stand in the word. Period. You will listen. I've lost every Christian friend that attended this church because of some sort of theological difference. You know what the theological difference was? I would be honest with you and tell you where I've blown it. I've blown it in this church, and I've blown relationships in this church that were my fault. But when it comes to theology, it was never my fault. Why? Because I'm reading Bible verses, and they're not. They start off their sentence with, I believe, instead of, it is written. That's the problem. Every single time, it's, I believe, instead of, it is written. With me, it is, it is written. Every single time. Look how foundational the word is. It comes down to rudimentary salvation. 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Rudimentary salvation or rudimentary getting right with God, right? Look at the next, next verse. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And what's the, and what's the consequence? And his word is not in us. You see how the word is inter intermeshed in the most rudimentary of salvation? It all starts with the Bible. If we say we have not sinned, it's not that Jesus isn't in us, although Jesus is the word. It's not that the spirit is not in us. It's not that we're not loving. It's that the word of God is not in us because it's all about the word. That's why everybody's in trouble. Whether, whether it is you're bored in your faith right now, you're discouraged, whether you're wearing a mask around, whether you're going to take the vaccination, whether your church is closed, whatever it may be, that's all founded in not letting your yes be yes and your no be no with the word of God. Well, you know, I believe all that, Tom, but you know, you have to use wisdom. That's not the Bible. But you, you I mean, you have to use wisdom. You see how the devil comes in? That's not a yes or a no. That sounds reasonable. Reasonableness is not the Bible. Your reasonableness, my reasonableness, are not the Bible. Tom, this is an awfully radical stance. Yeah, it's a radical document. Have you read it? Most Christians haven't. They read a verse a day from our daily bread if they're lucky. They have no idea who it is that they follow. Some of them are going to be shocked on the day of judgment because they went to the local art church and they're on the worship team. They're a greeter at the door. They're carrying one of those your home signs out in front of the church. They're doing one of those goofy videos with their torn up jeans saying, welcome church fam. And they're going to be shocked on the day of judgment that they're not even saved because they're living with their boyfriend and nobody told them. Because the yeses are not yeses and their noes are not noes. He is a yes or no God. There is no play in that line. There is no slack. You'll be judged that way. You might as well know now. Luke eleven seventeen says this, but he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself falls. You cannot be halfway in and halfway out. Now, you can bring that down to salvation on the whole or in particular areas of your life. You cannot be divided. 
If you're in your marriage, is divorce an option? No, you cannot. You, uh, that, that house will fall. If it's an option that you're going to walk away, your house is going down because you have a kingdom that is divided against itself. That marriage is going to be lost. Oh, I know people who think like that, Tom, and they're not divorced. Well, you try it. I'm advising you not to. Because it's not God's way to go, well, you know, we'll do the best that we can. It's not God's way. It's all or nothing. Oh, Tom, that just doesn't sound reasonable. You don't understand the Bible. Have you read it? Please read the Bible. That's why, listen, there is no equivocation. That's why I say what I say about coming up for prayer. I'm not here to agree with you and and hope that God does things. I am here to insist upon the covenant. That may sound arrogant to you, but it's not arrogant. If I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ, which Romans chapter 8 verses 16 and 17 says, I can make demands upon the gospel. I can make demands upon the covenant because God looks at me as he does Jesus. I'm a joint heir. I'm not, I am not divine like Jesus is. I am not God, but God looks at me that way. He's grafted me in that way. He's decided to cover up my sins so that I look like Jesus to him. So I'm going to make, I'm going to make, I'm going to make demands on that covenant. If I've got an infirmity, it's going to be gone. And what I do, and I, what I advise many of you to do is prevent everything. I have you wait and then you need to be healed. See, I prevent it before that. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. He gave you the keys. No man can serve two masters. Nobody can. No man can serve two masters. Now this verse is always used as a you should not date unbelievers verse, which it does apply. Or you should not marry somebody who's not a believer, but it's more than that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? You know what the title of that scripture is? Warning against idolatry, not don't date the wrong person. But you can use it that way, and I use it that way, and it's applicable. But it's warning against idolatry, being divided against yourself, trying to serve God, trying to serve yourself, trying to serve God, trying to serve the world. Stop trying to be reasonable, get alone in your prayer closet, get to know the Holy Spirit. Stop being reasonable. I don't want to be one of those weird ones. You come talk to me, I'll tell you whether you're getting too weird or not. <laughs> Until then, let's not worry about it. I'm going to give you another shocker. The gospel is not a process. It's a series of repentances. It's not a process. People I like, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, right? It's not a process. God will tell you instantly yes or no. And then you decide. That's, that's the gospel of Jesus. You're a jerk. Stop. Are you going to do it? Yes or no? You treat your wife like garbage. A lot of holy men of God treat their wives like garbage. <laughs> you ever been around the holiest men of God? There's two that I love the most, and everybody knows their names. It's Rodney Howard Brown, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I've been around them and how they treat their wives. They treat them like gold. They're, listen, though, 
They're not some pansy boy. I'll try not to get off onto that. (laughs) That bothers me (laughs) to great lengths. They treat their wives with great respect. They're all, but they're not their wife's whipping boy either. Well, how do you walk that line? Just walk it. It's very easy, you know. If you've got, if you've got a wife that's not a shrinking violet, you got to be careful because she'll try to run you if she's carnal. I try not to get off into that. But be around. If you're around men like that, they treat their wives like gold. They don't treat them like garbage. And holy women don't treat their husbands like garbage either. Good luck. You know what God's going to do to you? you all these people, they think they have this flourishing ministry. And they treat their spouse like garbage. They don't. You've actually been corralled off by God. He's actually keeping you from your ministry. He's not blessing it. He's not prospering you. He's not prospering your ministry. He's keeping you from it. You don't even know it. Well, I pastor a church of hundreds. Yeah, but you're supposed to pastor a church of ten thousands. He just has to corral you off so you don't do too much damage. Repentance is not a process. When God says to you, you're a jerk, what should you do? Stop being a jerk. You're like, Tom, you sound like a man that's gotten that advice before. Yeah. (laughs) I struggle with being a jerk. I got to be careful. But when God tells me I'm being a jerk, do you know what I do? I had a conversation with my son the other night. We go walking together all the time. We're both night owls, so we're out at like 2 o'clock in the morning walking around for miles, talking. I'm very thankful for that relationship, but a lot of times when it's your son, you take license with that person more than you should. He's a 22-year-old man, and, and and to be, you know, blunt, I couldn't survive a fight with him for 10 seconds. Seriously, he's 160 pounds. I've tried. I jumped on him. <laughs> he's an MMA fighter. I tried. I jumped on his back right in the podcast room, and I was crying for mercy in 12 seconds. <laughs> he put me in some sort of arm bar. <laughs> I would have done anything to get out of that thing. But still, even, even now, you know, he's, he's my baby. He's my boy. And the thing about it is at times I take license in our conversation. And I knew that I had been a jerk. I just talked to him in a condescending way. So I went up to him the next day because it was late and didn't have, really have any time to take care of it that night. I went up to him the next day and I said, listen, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry. I treated you poorly last night. Now, if you're going to be a jerk, make it right. Don't continue to be one. I'm not licensing you to continue to be one, but it's not a, I'm going to say, you know what? You know, I'll try to get better. I'm sorry for what I did. I apologize for how I behaved. Not, you know, it's a process. That's the ark church. That's not the Bible. That's all the churches that are closed right now. It's not the Bible. That's all the churches that did close. It's not the Bible. He's a yes or no God. Thinking it's a process is costing you your life. You know why? Because it's not the Bible. The Bible is let your yes be yes and your no be no. Not, it's a process. Where is, I want you to show me in the Bible where it's a process. It's not a process. It's a series of hardcore 180 degree turns. Well, nobody seems to make it. You can. Oh, I've seen people turn and that, it doesn't work. And they, I've seen people turn and it did work. I'm not going to concentrate on the people that failed. 
I'm going to concentrate on making sure that my thoughts are the ones that are praiseworthy. Do it less is not God's way. Do it more is not God's way. Do it or don't do it is God's way. The reason why you have a weak American church is because they think that do it less or do it more or I'll try is the gospel. It is not. God is not pleased with, you know what, I'll do it less this year or I'll do it more this year. God's either do it or don't do it. All in or all out. James chapter 1 verse 8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're trying or you're doing it less or doing it more, you're double-minded and you're unstable. Haven't you noticed it? Haven't you noticed it? I got one, it's true. I think it was from my wife. (laughs) Haven't you noticed it? It doesn't work to try. It doesn't work to say I'll do it less or I'll do it more. It's I am in or I am out. God is more pleased that you're out than I'll try. Where do you get that from, Tom? I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He is a yes or he is a no God. There is no past for you. Are you aware of that? And let me cover this, because a lot of Christians are fine with having no past when it comes to their bad past. But all they talk about is their good past. Where do you get that from? Because everybody feels the need to give me their resume. I want to clonk you over the head with my Bible, which is big and heavy and King James. It has nobody's opinion in it either. Holy Spirit will tell me his opinion about what's going on in there. People go, well, I was trained under Kenneth Copeland and I was in the seminar of her. I'm like, I literally am, you're on the clock. I give everybody five minutes. Not at the door. For those of you that I keep having to tell that I don't have time at the door, there's 87 people behind you. Can I tell you about my, my sister? No. See Heather? Right over there, make, make an appointment. I can't. But your past is gone. Good and bad. Where do you get that from, Tom? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, some things have become, no. All things have become new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right? All things have become new. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. You know, whenever you see in Scripture, this one thing I do, or above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, take the shield of faith. You know what you should do? Above all else, do those things. See how deep and theological I am? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do as the biggest soul winner in the New Testament, the biggest miracle worker in the New Testament, Paul wrote this. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He wasn't saying, just forget about my sin and that I was responsible for the stoning of Stephen. He wasn't saying that. He was also rich. He was also well-esteemed, part of, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. When people walked into the room, they ooed and they awed when they saw Paul. He gave that up too. Don't give me your Billy Graham resume. Don't want to hear it. 
Well, I served under this minister. Well, yeah, but you know what I've noticed? That since you've been at Foundation Church, I'll sum up your ministry in two words. Jack squat. <laughs> you don't bring anybody to church. I don't want to hear your resume. You know, I, I love the rednecks who fill these rows full of people. You know what matters to pastors? Attendance. I love that too. Well, I'm ranting today. I rant every day. My kids are like, I, I ask them now, do you want to hear my, my opinion on that? No, we're good, Dad. We already heard it. We're good. <laughs> I love the people that come here one Sunday, and the next thing I know, I'm getting a message. Hey, we, you know, we'd like to take you out to dinner. No. No. Hey, Tom, you sound awfully haughty. I'm not going out with people I don't know. You, you ever been on those? Jonathan Shuttlesworth put it this way. He does a whole lot less and accomplishes a lot more. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Recently, I was at a luncheon with him. And I'm like, hmm, that sound, that's good because that's exactly what I made the commitment about a year and a half, two years ago. Is I don't go on every lunch and every dinner with people anymore. Those of you that have sent me stuff and I know who you are, this is not for you, so don't get all offended. Tom, did I offend you? No, you didn't. It's for the weirdos that show up here on one Sunday. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a message from the United. And you know what? They never even come back. So if I would have taken that dinner, they get to come and give me their sales spiel. Because everybody has some sort of agenda. And I'm stuck with them at Outback for three hours. <laughs> with my wife and I nudging each other under the table. Well, these are the weird ones here. Woo! Yeah. We cut those dinners. Doesn't apply to anybody in this room, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I promise you. But you have no past. God doesn't recognize it. Where do you get that from? Luke chapter 9, verse 62 says this Jesus. Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Whoops! He's not real concerned that you went to Billy Graham's Bible seminary. Doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's like, what are you doing now? Past is gone. Past doesn't even exist. It's gone. What are you doing now? Don't, you don't, well, we were involved in this ministry or that ministry. Or you can go the other way. You know, I used to be this and I used to be that and then I ruined my life. Not now. How many of you believe that your best days are ahead? Yeah. Doesn't matter how old you are. I'll tell you right now, this is going to sound arrogant, but I'm going to tell you this. If you plugged into this church and you believe what's preached here, which is the Bible, your best days are ahead. Because here's the thing. Many of you, where the church that you were at, you wasted the last decade. <clears throat> they were telling you to have your best life now and be part of their church fam. That's all you had there. Now you're getting the Bible. Yeah. All they were telling you to do is maintenance mediocrity. I'll press you towards victory. You might leave, but I'll still press you towards victory. Amen. You want to talk about true love and that you have no past. Love keeps no records of wrongs. I'm glad my wife does not keep my records of wrongs, and she's glad that I don't keep it, her records of wrongs. We're like, yeah, it's over. It's done. We don't hold grudges. Well, I remember when you did this, and we don't do any of that. 
People have, like people have come, I've told you this numerous times, when people have come up to me and said, how do you control your kids? Bible. How do you have, people have come up, to, you know, we've been married for 25 years. And people are like, how do, you have, how do you have that sort of relationship? Or we want the relationship that you have. Bible. I'm the troubled one. She's not, but she is not perfect either. But we keep no record of wrongs. There's no going back and saying, oh, I remember when you hurt me back. Why are you doing that? If you're going to behave like that, please go register. It's right over here at LA Angel Middle School. It's right there as a 12-year-old girl. You can identify as whatever you want these days, so go over there. <clears throat> I'm telling you, school has just started, so you can still get in. That, I guarantee you can walk in there as a 48-year-old man and say, I'm a 12-year-old girl, and they would feel hard-pressed to turn you away. Let it go. The gospel is no past. The gospel is your best days are ahead. Period. Let everything else go. Well, I was hurt. You know. Listen, I'm getting nowhere near this message today. <laughs> All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15. Are you telling me, Tom, to just be happy? Yes. You are to put on joy. Oh, you know, I like, you know, I'm bearing. I've heard you Christians talk like this about, it says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I understand that. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. That does nothing, that has nothing to do with countenance. It has nothing to do with how you think. That means, you know what? If somebody needs their mortgage paid and you have the money to pay it, bear the burden. That's what it means. It doesn't mean, well, they're depressed, so I'm depressed. Look, look, look at me, everyone. I'm so afflicted. No, you're evil. I'm bipolar. Evil. You know what bipolar is? Let's get people to leave. <laughs> Need to clear out a few seats in the 9 a.m. anyway. <laughs> bipolar is just selfish people. That's all that it is. You have a bad feeling, so you concentrate on it. Listen, there's some of us that have more flowing feelings. You need to take control of that. You up days and down days, take control of it. It's not, oh, I'm having a down day today. Hell hath no fury than me being in a bad mood. Is that you in your house? Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Is that you in your house? Are you that one? Tom, do you point fingers at people? Absolutely, I don't care. Listen, what do I have to lose? I'm already universally hated. It's not going back for me. There's never going to be a worldly embrace of Tom Lipley. I point fingers and I say you. And also say me. Are you that one in your house? You know you are. I admitted, I admitted a minute ago, it's me in my house. Norma's not the jerk. Hope's not the jerk. Tommy's a slob, but he's not a jerk. <laughs> the troubled one is me, but the difference between me and you is that I admit it and I crucify it. And it flares up, I crucify it again. Over and over and over again. Aaron never has to apologize to me. I have to apologize to him. But at least I apologize. Sorry I yelled at you in the podcast again. <laughs> Sorry, Will. 
come on, faster, faster, faster. And during the podcast, they're like, how much faster can we go? It's a computer. I mean, (laughs) faster, faster, come on, guys. If you're that person, you need to fix it. My wife will tell you that I've gotten a whole lot better, but I definitely haven't arrived. If that's you, you need to acknowledge it. Christianity has become humanized. It's no longer a radical decision to follow Christ. It's a casual decision. It's a maybe decision. Following Christ outside of God's provision, which is better than the world's provision, I'm talking about the world's provision, following Christ is supposed to cost you everything. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. It's a radical decision to follow Jesus. I've been separated from my family because of it. Separated from them. And I don't call them. I don't call them and say, hey, I want to share Jesus with you. It's just Jesus, they smell them on me. Nobody calls me for life decisions in my family. They call each other. Hey Tom, hey, Tom, we're just wondering what your opinion is about me moving in with my boyfriend. Nobody calls me for that. <laughs> Nobody called me for my COVID advice. You all just went and got vaccinated. Nobody called me. All right. I'm not saying that that's the goal, because it certainly is not. But that's the consequence of a hardcore decision. It could cost you everything, but God's provision's better anyway. Listen, I've lost lots of friends because of the gospel of Jesus, but the ones that I have now are the best I've ever had. And most today's humanized Christianity is a mild life change or, you know what, I've made a decision to become nicer. Or it's a process with no progress. That's most churches. You're in the process. You know, we're on a journey now. We're on a journey. No. What's happened is it's become a process with absolutely no progress. And they're fine with it. I'm not fine with that. Paul wrote this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, but none of these things move me. What was he talking about? He was talking about being beaten and jailed. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race, my race with joy, in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. None of these, I don't count my life dear to myself. How many of us is that is that all that's dear to us, is our life. What if we said, you know what, what matters is what kind of conduit I am instead of it being all about me. My feelings, my provision, my goals, my aspirations, my acquisitions. How about, you know, we say, you know what, I don't count my life dear to myself. I'm yours, God. And that doesn't mean come what may. That means when you say, I'm yours, God, that means all the provision of the gospel is yours. You are healthy, you are wealthy, and you are wise. Yeah. You will live a long life outside of the martyrdom. You have, there is nothing that can touch you. Jesus said there's nothing that can touch you. Are you aware of that? Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Nothing. Nothing kills you outside of martyrdom. Nothing. You aware of that? 
So when you say, I, don't, I count my life not dear, to my, not dear to myself, it's not saying, oh, come what may, and whatever happens, happens, I'm surrendered to God. That's not the Bible. Nothing shall by any means hurt you, is what Jesus said. Nothing. You know what nothing means? There you go. I'll let you finish. Well, what about the economy? Is nothing nothing or is nothing nothing? What, what happens if Kamala Harris is the next president? Hey, listen, see, for me, for me, I relish in it. I'm like, man, the, the exposure is fantastic. Not my exposure, them exposing themselves. It's fantastic. The only part that's not fantastic is when they kill 13 Marines and servicemen. That's not good. Which they did. They're sleeping like babies at night because they're baby butchers from the beginning. Most of those servicemen and women, as a matter of fact, I believe all of them were under the age of 25. Some are still in their teens or very early 20s. They would have been perfectly happy to butcher them in the womb, in the birth canal, or just outside the womb 18, 20, 25 years ago. One of the boys that was killed was born in 2001, but after 9-11, fought his entire military career was for a war that he wasn't even born in when it started. He wasn't born yet when it started. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would be absolutely happy to slaughter him in the womb piece by bloody piece without thinking twice about it. You see, in, in, in America, everybody is so hard-hearted that we don't realize what all that means. We do in this church, because we talk about it. We're not the Ark Church. We're not coast this and abundant that. We're not any of those things. We talk about it because God's going to talk about it. Every soul that cries out from under the altar of God is crying out and saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on the earth. <laughs> Day and night. Day and night, the people will pay for the lives that they've cost. Because the souls of those who have been slain lay under the altar of God, crying out day and night, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on the earth. And he will. You do not trifle with the living God, who before he formed all of those 13 men and women, I don't know where they stood spiritually. I hope some of them went to heaven. I hope all of them went to heaven. Unless they were saved, they were not. Just because you're a Marine doesn't mean you're going to heaven. I love Marines. I do. They start, if there was a bunch of Marines walked in the door, I'd, I'd struggle not to kind of be, oh, I love them. Love the military. Born in the military. Raised in the military. I hope that they all went. But I can tell you that those lives, they mattered. And they were just laying down by people who hate humanity. You cannot slaughter people in the womb and then say you care about them when they're 18. They don't. They don't. Do you realize the consequences of the lockdowns and the mask wearing are far higher than anything that the disease has ever done or ever will do? It's been calculated. They have different algorithms that they use and they calculate how many years of life has been lost by the disease and by the response to the disease. And by the, the response to the disease greatly outweighs the disease itself. Not to mention the numbers themselves were up to 300 million people that have starved to death. Yeah, have you noticed the shortages in America? 
Suddenly you're at, I think it was Buffalo Wild Wings. People are at, they have no Cokes. They have no ketchup. Okay, now if that's first world, we're struggling with mayonnaise. First world is struggling with protein. First world is struggling with bread. They have none. Starving to death. I mean, third world is struggling with these things. Then they're dying. 300 million so far from the COVID response and allegedly 3 million people have died of COVID worldwide. That's the world's way. You know why? Because they hate humanity. So when I see the scenes coming from Kabul at Harmi Kazide Airport, I just go, those are demons. Those are demonic people. What are they, I mean, have you thought, I'm, I'm sorry to go off onto this, I really am, because I didn't intend, I don't usually say I'm sorry, but I didn't really want to talk about this. But you ever thought about the stupidity of, you know what, let's coagulate as many people as we possibly can in a radical Islamic terrorist country, and let's coagulate as many people as we can into a small area? Let, let's think about how stupid it is, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when you're a baby butcherer, like Joe Biden, you have no wisdom. So you coagulate as many people as you possibly can into an airport and the people that decide who comes in and comes out are terrorists themselves. Do you know that? The people that decide. Right now it's been documented that you have Americans walking, getting through the Taliban, actually getting to our troops and our troops are turning them away. Where'd you get that, Tom? Laura Logan on Twitter. Read it. Esteemed reporter. Saw it herself. What's going on there? I don't know. I don't know. But when you coagulate humanity together like that for a terrorist bomber to come in, a suicide bomber, you're just setting up because they don't like people. You're setting up people to die. You give a list. You give a list of all Americans and all of our allies to the checkpoint Taliban. You know why? Because you hate people. You take out the military before you, before you take out the civilians. Before you evacuate the civilians, you evacuate the military. You know why? Because you hate people. You have the greatest strategic airport in the, in, the, in the area, 400 miles from the Chinese border, and you evacuate it in the middle of the night, and you let loose thousands of ISIS-K killers. You know why? Because you hate people. That's what's going on. We need to be very, very distinguishable from the baby butchers and the killers. That's what they are. I mean, come on. The murder rate in New York City is up 25% in a year. Nationwide, it's up over that. You know why? Because they hate people. And all the while, what do they say? See, Democratic Party is no different than the Ark Church. Oh, we love you, we love you, we love you. But you're not telling me anything that gets me out of hell. You're not telling me what it'll take to get me out of hell. You're just telling me that you love me. That's what the Democratic Party does. We love you. We love you. We love you. Bomb goes off and kills a bunch of people. We love you. We love you. We love you. You stay on welfare your whole life. We love you. We love you. They don't love anything. They love themselves. And they're coagulating power. That's all that they're doing. And they'll take human lives to do it. Didn't mean to get off onto that, but I had to. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, we got like eight or nine minutes to go. Everybody good? But whatever was to my prophet, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. We have no past. 
We have, it's gone. Paul said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider it lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Will you do that? It's got quiet, not one amen. Will you do that? Everything. God tells you, you know what? I don't want you to be the casual Christian drinker. You gonna lay it down? What if he tells you that? People talk about tithing sometimes. They're like, you know what? Tithing's an Old Testament principle. Well, the New Testament principle is that we'll be led by the Spirit. You want to do that? He may ask for more than 10. So when you're led by the Spirit of God, and he tells you something, you do it. Well, it doesn't, you know, I know all the Christians out there, and, you know, they're all having their wine with dinner, and, you know, they, one beer a day ain't going to hurt anybody. Sure, if you sow that seed, sure about that? Hey, Tom, why are you so anti-alcohol? Try because I was a cop for 25 years. You know why most people go to jail? They drink themselves to jail. You go and do a call, and listen, if you just sit down and shut up, everybody's going to go home. Sit down and shut up. Okay, I'm giving you one more chance. They talk themselves into being arrested because of alcohol. They got beer guts. You can have all the guts you want. There's 12 of us here. You going to fight us all? And we have tasers. What are you going to do? So if God tells you, you know what? I count it all to t- for you to count it all as rubbish that you may gain Christ. Even if it's not sin, will you lay it down? Will you? I'm not looking at convinced faces right now. Some of you are. Some of you are like, well, I'm, I, you know what? Keep it. Don't even say yes or no. Go ahead and just don't, don't answer is better than saying a false yes or a maybe. Right. Just say, you know what? I'll think about it. Tom, what, are you saying that I could lose something? Paul said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. So I might lose something? I'm going to tell you something in closing here. If you've never lost a relationship because of the gospel of Jesus, you're not preaching the gospel. I know, I know what the watered-down, lukewarm church says. The watered-down, lukewarm churches, you know, look at everybody loves us, so therefore we're preaching the gospel. It's the opposite of that. It's not saying you purposely do. Woe, woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so do their fathers to the false prophets, not to the real ones, to the false prophets. Finishing with this. Remember what I said, because I want to set it up again. If you've never lost or strained a relationship because of Jesus, you're not preaching the gospel. Well, Tom, we're not supposed to preach. Yeah, you are. And by the way, let me just tell you this. I'm not going to give you this out. People, just just preach it and how you live. No, God opens doors for you to speak. You know he does. You know what you're supposed to do when he opens the door for you to speak? Speak. Well, I want to be kind and loving. 
Well, if I say that, then I'm, my daughter won't love me anymore. My son, my, my wife, my cousin, my mom. If God has opened up a door for you to share the gospel of Jesus, however it applies in the moment, then you do it. You count it all as rubbish. But these are people. God is above people. If he's told you to do it, do it. And do it now. Don't hold back. Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Let me set it up again. Who won the most souls in the New Testament? It wasn't Jesus. It was Paul. He did it through Jesus. I'm just saying that's who won the most souls, right? So how did he do it? Well, you know, he, he just made sure everybody loved him. No, that's not what he did. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So if you're a man pleaser, well, you know what? I don't want to offend anybody, so I put my mask on. Even though I know it does nothing. I don't want, you know, I, w- I don't want people to, to feel uncomfortable around me. Tell them to take their uncomfort and shove it. I don't care. You, you gonna, are you going to win the lunatic? Are you going to win the lunatic by being one? Or you set yourself up as a shining city on a hill for the lunatic to look up and say, that's what I want. That's what Paul said. For do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So if you're a man pleaser, you're not serving Jesus. All of these churches that are coagulating humanity, look how big we are. Look how much we're loved. Look how approved we are by the world. So-and-so comes and speaks at our church. What's his name? Oh, gosh, I forgot the celebrity's name. Who's the, Aaron, who's the uh, big name male singer who went to uh, uh, Carl Lentz's church? Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. Oh, just, thank you, you're the best. You're the best. Love you. Thank you. All I had was Justin Timberlake in my head. Bieber, thank you. Oh, I got Justin, I got Justin Bieber comes to my church. Who cares? It's nothing against the man. I'm just saying, who cares? You're a man pleaser? So we'll say anything to get them in. I got Bubba Watson coming to my city church in Seattle. Who cares? If any of you think that I'd even butt kiss Donald Trump to have him come to this church, you don't know me. Donald Trump would feel uncomfortable here because the message would be identical. <laughs> be no difference. You don't, you don't know me. It is, I am that way. I am not a respecter of persons. I, listen, I'm scared of God. I don't want their blood on my hands. When I say to the wicked, oh, wicked man, you will die from your sin. And you do not speak out to, to dissuade him from his ways. He will die for his sin, but I will hold you accountable for his blood. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 8. No, thank you. I'm not going to be held accountable for your blood. None of you, not that attend this church. I was talking to a friend of mine last night after the podcast, and she was saying, you know, I don't know how certain people can, can go to the church when they're living in sin. I don't know how you can either. It won't be me that didn't tell you. You're living with your boyfriend, you're going to hell for it. You're living in pornography, you're going to hell for it. You're a liar, you're going to hell for it. I don't care that you said a sinner's prayer and that Charles Stanley said that you're eternally secure. That's not the Bible. Find eternal security here. Come on. You better know it now. Bring your eternal security verses. 
You don't have them. There aren't any. I've read the whole daggum thing. Will you lay it down, though? All of it. Finishing with this, worship team, make your way. That way you guys really trust me that I'm actually finishing. We have to finish in this service. I can go as long as I want in a second. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. See, we have, to, we have to acknowledge him in every situation. What is the verse after that? I quoted it to you earlier. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. So what he says is, if you acknowledge me, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own house. People got very offended on Facebook because I okayed a graphic quoting a Bible verse. I don't know if some of you saw it. It was a big old chubby picture of me. That, that I didn't really care for. But anyway, the, the, <laughs> the picture was nice. I mean, the, uh, the graphic was nice. It says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And I had some Baptist guy goes to what, and of course he put his credentials out. I've attended this such and such a seminary. Strike one, but anyway. You know, I believe that, you know, we're supposed to reach out and we're supposed to, you know, go and, and be among, among people. Well, I agree to an extent, but that doesn't mean you think like them. It doesn't mean that you act like them. And it means that you pray for opportunities. It's not, you know what, I'm just going to go hang around with a bunch of people that are sinners, that are unrepentant, let alone people inside the church that are hypocrites. What happens to the public hypocrite inside the church? Expel the wicked man from among you, is what Paul said. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. So there's a balance there, and I acknowledge the balance that we need to make sure that we ingratiate ourselves to sinners in the way that we can win them, not to where they're winning us. Because what has really happened? All of the grace mongers out there have gone to the world. They're just like the world now. You have to come out from among them and be separate. How, listen, is a shining city on a hill in the village? You see what I mean? Doesn't mean you don't go down to the village. Doesn't mean you don't go minister. But they're looking up, not to their side. They're looking up and they're going, you know what? That's what I want. There's a shining city on a hill. So instead of reaching out and saying all of the Christianese things, why don't we shine instead? Amen? In Jesus' name, stand with me. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person are watching online that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you, and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, 
to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.